welcome into Poke Bear episode 161, presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. I am doing great, Connor. And I'm excited because the season's getting a little closer. It's every day. You know that, you know that, uh, I think it's, is it Pepsi, the football commercial that says like, when this is over, it'll be 15 seconds closer to kickoff. And they play it before like every uh, football game on like all the major networks. I heard it on the radio the other day. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of love that idea. Like, you know, oh, you're right. I am 15 seconds closer to kickoff. So in this podcast, you're 30 minutes closer to puck drop. I, I So I, 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 you know, there's no disputing that. There's no disputing that. Um, we just keep on recording until we get uh, whatever it is, October 11th, first game. Yeah, maybe we'll just do we'll do like a live stream on YouTube from now until the first game, just nonstop. Yeah, that's, that's feasible. I'm, I'm one fan, of us, but... one of us can sleep. The other can, uh, the other can kind of stay on and answer questions and talk mm-hmm. about stuff. It reminds me. Have you ever seen? I, I don't know how much you use TikTok, and it's going to sound really weird to some people. People are going to be like, "What? What are you? What are you looking at?" Uh, but sometimes on my for you page. There will be like random lives that come up. But your for you page, you don't, you know, the people you don't follow really any of them. It's just stuff that pops up. So sometimes they'll put lives up that are popular. And I remember there was a trend where people would just like sleep on their live and they would like have a sign behind them that says like send these different types of, you know, like TikTok emojis. Really, it's to send them money because it, it costs money that they get. But like yes. send it and it'll make a noise and wake me up. So there'd be people like, you know, pretending to be asleep and you'd send in like, or someone would send in like a certain emoji and it'd be like, you know, bah, 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 and you know, they'd, they'd be like, oh man. And it's like, that's the point, you know? So uh reminds me of that. Maybe we could get something going like that. Moneymaker. It's the weirdest shit in the world. But like, I, I won't laugh. At, I, I won't, I won't besmirch those people because they probably make like eight grand a month off of just doing that. So they're secure in the bag. They're secure. Yes, in the exactly. Bag. Go get the bag. Again, that, we, that... as we've said multiple times, we are fans. We support anyone who gets the bag, uh, usually in the context of hockey players. But if you're <laughs> got like a, like a, uh, a train whistle going off, like the, the green line train whistle waking you up and someone's giving you 50 bucks to do it. Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. We'll do one with the Bruins goal horn, maybe. Yeah, uh, and just have have Kerncraft playing for uh, yes all night and, and keeping us up if it if it sends in the dough. Um, anyway, speaking of money, this this podcast is like all money, uh, basically. Uh, Brandon Hagel signed a deal on uh, Wednesday with uh, with the well, re-signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning, eight years, six and a half million per. And you're probably thinking, why are we talking Lightning contracts? Well. It's an interesting comparable for Jake DeBrusque, who is a UFA after uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Hagel, for comparison, 24 years old, came from Chicago, uh, full season last year with the Lightning, put up 30 goals, 64 points in 81 games. So good production out of him. It's really only been one year, though. Uh, Feels like this is sort of like a Tage Thompson deal, where it's like guy has one good year and you say, you know, I think he's got a lot more in him. Let's do the Atlanta Braves method of lock these guys up early at a deal that looks kind of expensive now, but cheaper down the road. Do you think this could be comparable for, uh, for Jake DeBrusque? Yeah. I think if you're looking at, especially the money, that's probably more what you're looking at. I remember I saw someone had like a projection of DeBrusque contract next year and it said like 6.4, you know, between 6.4, 6.7 people were like, 
there's no way he's worth as much as Brad Marchand. I'm like, well, first of all, that contract was signed years ago. The market's kind of changed a little bit. And also, like, Brad Marchand signed to, like, a bargain deal. That, that deal's been a bargain for, like, years. So I wouldn't put that But there was a bargain when to... he's put pen to paper on that. Yeah, exactly. So that wouldn't be one that I would necessarily uh, project or, or compare it against in terms of Marchand's contract. But, yeah, I think if you're looking at Hagel, if you're a DeBrusque and you're a guy that's hovered around, you know, 25-plus goals – um, is a, a young player that is proven to be at least a very efficient, you know, top six player that more or less falls in line with that. I think if you're, if you're the Bruins, you're trying to sign him long-term, I think at the very least you're looking at 6 million per. Um, and I, I think you just look at the way the market's going. You, you could make the case that if let's say the Brusk has like a finally breaks through and has a 30 goal season, could be more when you look at just the way the 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 cap should be jumping up next year, which again you have to weigh that. If you're the Bruins, you probably the best case scenario is you're keeping it around six, six and a half, right? Unless like again, he gets hurt or something else like that, and then maybe you're able to keep him around five, four and a half, what have you. But I think when you just are trying to be realistic with how the market's changing and guys who I mean, how many one year deals have we seen sign this this current offseason? by players waiting for, you know, the market to kind of jump up and more cap to be available. Um, I think six and a half, you know, six and a half million makes a lot of sense for a guy like DeBrusque. I mean, you could even make the case, you, you, you know, I think a lot of people brought out comparables to DeBrusque and Hagel in terms of the offensive production. Uh, you listen to a few people who map out, you know, their overall games. They think DeBrusque has more value because he's a little bit better defensively, um, which I think DeBrusque has made strides in that regard in terms of being a more, capable i wouldn't say like he's a legit proven two-way player but he's definitely not a liability he's not like someone you have to really be worried about the d zone could do a lot of different things um with his speed you know he's added more in terms of his forechecking pressure like he has a lot of value if he's on top of his game that uh when you look at just the way the market's changing six and a half makes a lot of sense if you're the Bruins, just whether or not you want to divert that six and a half million towards him when you've got all of a sudden almost 30 million in cap space next year and then, of course, the term. I think if you want to sign a guy like that who's still in like the middle of his career, the longer the better. I think when you look at just the way the cap has been jumping up, I think that should be the priority, just locking up these guys long term. But that's kind of what you have to weigh if you're the Bruins, whether or not he's worth such a big investment. I think this year is going to kind of prove a lot in terms of whether he's a guy worth putting all that money down for. It's interesting. The Hagel, the Rust thing, I, I see to a point. Uh, Hagel really just kind of had one big year last year. He's been slowly building and it was a Chicago for a bit on some, on some rough teams. So he's slowly kind of been building uh, up to last season. And, and uh, you know, I think the lightning assume that he's got more to give, or if he can give you around 64 points every year, that's worth six and a half million per. And I think that that's accurate. I, you know, if, if he stays around that, that's a good thing. DeBrusque is a little more interesting though, because it's been six seasons. He's two years older than Hagel. And do you feel like DeBrusque has hit his ceiling? Like what like what is the next do we think DeBrusque can get to that next level, right? Like it feels like he's a guy who will hover, you know, for three of his six seasons, he's basically been on the doorstep of 30 goals. Um, you know, points-wise, he's you know, so far been around, you know, excluding the COVID season when, you know, things were not obviously right for him. Um, he's been around 40, 50 points. Do you feel that that's going to continue to move up? Because if you do, and, 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 you know, if that's the ceiling, if he continues to move up and, you know, get around 
30 goals every year, get around 60 points. Yeah. Six and a half million for eight years would be outstanding. But if we feel like, oh, you know, he's going to be a guy who hovers around 40 points and you have this guy on your roster for eight years and you don't know what to expect. I'm not saying that he's going to do that, but it's, you know, he could like, then is that worth it? Yeah. I mean, it kind of falls in line with what we've said that this upcoming season is all about kind of clarity. And I think you're going to figure that out, figure that out with a guy like DeBrusque. And again, when we say clarity, we're always talking about guys stepping into top six roles or we're talking about the Zed song. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's all it is. That's, that's where we're going to just play that in the background of every, every podcast during the 23, 24 season. But I think for DeBrusque, right. It's, um, I think there is more to give. I think you even saw it this past season in terms of just him rounding out his overall game. Like, even though, um, you know, he didn't break through for a 40 goal season, I think he saw him be a lot more consistent in terms of, you know, even if what's been kind of the biggest knock against DeBrusque obviously has been kind of those peaks and valleys in terms of his scoring. But I think even though there were games where he wasn't scoring, he still was more impactful this year in terms of four-tracking pressure, doing kind of the, the dirty work, being more involved in the net front. Um, skating, you know, moving his feet, those things. And when he's on his game, even if he's not scoring goals, he can be an impact player in that regard. Um, I mean, you look at his skill set and, and kind of kind of how he plays his game. Yes, it hurts that he's not going to have a guy like Bergeron driving his line, but if he's crashing the net, hovering around, you know, grade A ice, and you know, his knack for like, you know, getting in uh, those grade A areas, he should be a guy that whoever you put him with can put up 25 plus goals. Um, I think that's going to be the big thing this year is you hope he continues to take steps in terms of rounding out his overall game. Yes. But can he be a guy that can give you 25, 30 goals regardless of who he's got out there? Not to say that you put him on the fourth line, he's going to score 25 goals, but <laughs> if it's coil or if it's geeky or if it's Zaka and Dabrowski shifted back to left wing, can, can you take those steps forward and not be a guy that's just a really good compliment, but a guy that can, drive play you look at when he's on his game he can do that right but we'll, we'll figure out this year because i think if he can take those steps forward and be a guy that gives you um you know 30 goals you know he was on pace for it last year he was well on pace i think he was on pace for 37 before he had the uh leg injury during winter classic but if he can prove that it seems like a guy worth investing in especially when you look at this team and the lack of proven uh forwards you have here of course they, they need guys down the middle but Having a guy like DeBrusque, if he's on his game, can give you 30 goals, drive play. Seems like he's worth a, a long-term deal in that regard. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I mean, if he if that's what you get out of him, which is where he was headed last year, and that's sort of the direction that his career's headed in, if you can get that, I mean, I, that's, it got, that's a guy you lock up long-term. Because as you said, like, if he can get you around 30 goals every year, and he can be reliable for that, and also be reliable to be hard on the forecheck, and... Uh, gain offensive zone entries and be reliable in his own end. And you you suddenly have a more complete player because uh, obviously he's got the speed and, and he's not afraid to get to high danger areas. Like he's got, he's a very interesting player in that respect that he's this very high draft pick that uh, does not score his goals with beautiful snipes and, you know, dangling defenders. It's hard work. It's just putting your head down and, and getting to those dirty areas. And when you have a guy like that, you want to keep him around. Like that's a, that's a Bruin. <laughs> that is a yeah. Boston Bruin. And I think the issue, as you said, it's been consistency over the years. And um, if he can continue to do that, uh, yeah, eight years, six and a half is, is a very reasonable uh, price for him. Cause the other thing you have to think of is, and you kind of alluded to this, the market's changing. 
The salary cap should be going up next year, sizably. You will have more cap space. Um, so that six and a half million, yeah, he's making more. He would make more than Marshan now. But as you move into that next generation, a reliable top six winger who can get you thirty goals will be getting six and a half, seven million as the market changes. So, um, yeah, the, it, but the Hagel comparisons is still a little weird to me, just because like I think Hagel's more of a you know did it once, let's bet on him doing this and more again. DeBrusque is more, hey, if he can give us kind of the, the you know, a little bit higher than he had consistently, it's, it's you know, we're, we're going to give him a long-term deal. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, playoff props, over-unders, and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel, is that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is going to throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Restrictions apply. Max bonus of $50 unless specified otherwise. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook gambling problem hope is here go to gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support play it smart from the start go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 what happens with DeBrusque this year what ends up happening because you mentioned it you don't have Bergeron you don't have Krejci most likely going to either have Coil or Zaka, or if your projections are correct, maybe a geeky uh, in between him. Um, we could say we'll, we'll make a line of like DeBrusque, Frederick as the as the center, and uh, Lucic on the right side, and people would lose their shit over it, um, and maybe rightfully so. Uh, but what happens with him this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to fall on just how the Bruins overall fare and how DeBrusque uh, does, right? Because I think if you're the Bruins. I think the focus is keeping him long-term. You invested in him. You, uh, you know, didn't move him two years ago when he put the trade request because you thought he was a valuable asset. Wouldn't make much sense just to let him walk this upcoming year. Um, but it's going to depend on if he can take steps forward, if he's a guy worth investing in uh, when you are all of a sudden have all this cap space available. And it's going to depend on how the team does. I think we've talked about, and you've mentioned it, Evan, that this team's giving itself – uh, plenty of options this upcoming year in terms of how they want to handle the season. Of course, they want to contend. They think they have a team that can kind of grind through, keep up, uh, you know, accumulating points by being a stout defensive team. But things go wrong. If a few key guys have injuries, you're all of a sudden hovering around 500. Or you're on the outside looking at the playoffs and you get to middle of February. Then maybe it's got like the Brusk ends up getting moved if you're trying just to accelerate this kind of retool you have. Again, I think that's uh, a contingency plan the Bruins don't want to do. That's kind of the break glass in case of emergency. But 
I think the focus is, is you have DeBrusque in place. You see if he can continue to drive play, be a guy that's not a, a very good complimentary player, a guy that can be not a franchise player, but a guy you can put in the line of pencil in in the top six and know you're all set with that line. You have a proven 30-goal guy there that can help uh, drive play. If he can show that, then I think the check's going to be there for him. It's just going to figure out whether the Brewers as a whole can be competitive next year and if DeBrusque can continue to take steps forward and not be a guy that even takes a step back without having a guy like Bergeron on his line. Yeah, you mentioned the not being a, a complimentary piece, being more of a – you almost want him to be – Krejci had a bigger impact, but Krejci was sort of that. You knew what you had every year. We talked about this when he retired. Like, granted, the ceiling was higher and his impact was more, but, like, you want that out of DeBrusque, right? 30 goals, around 60 points, 65 maybe, like, perfect. <laughs> that is a yeah. reliable piece. That is someone that you can rely on uh, no matter what. I, I want to do a little hypothetical here because we've, you know, I've, I've made my case for if they're not, you know, good next year or, you know, you got to sell off pieces to brusque would be an easy one to sell and, and get a legitimate uh, return for. Um, let's say DeBrusque has a crazy season this year, because again, it's, it's a contract year that happens to players. Connor, there's a little, when you get that Arizona game in like, you know, mid November, you really turn it up. You don't uh, you don't turn it back. You, you turn it up a bit and try to go for two or three goals uh, to, to boost the stats a little bit. Um, but let's say he's, you know, it's February. Brusque is on pace for, let's say, 40 goals, right? Let's say he's having a really good season. But the Bruins are outside the playoff spot. You know, they're good handful of points out. Things are looking kind of bleak, but Brusque is a real bright spot. Do you, and again, I'm putting you on the spot here because I'm putting myself on the spot. I don't really, like, I, I think I know what my answer would be here, but do you kind of sign him long-term and say, hey, we have a guy who can hit 40 goals and hope that you turn it around in other ways? Or do you say, hey, we're going to sell really high on this asset and potentially jumpstart a whole retool here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I think if he's a 40-goal guy and you're the Bruins, you're desperate for a homegrown town, you can add to this core. Having a guy who's, what, 26, will be 27 in that upcoming season in the middle of his prime, kind of falls in line with what the Bruins are trying to do, right? This isn't a team that I think is looking at, like, a five-year plan. They're still trying, like, they're looking at, you get another center or two, they're right back in the the thick of it, right? So if DeBrus can prove that he can take a huge step forward, probably worth the money. Now, does that mean if he gets 40 goals, he's going to be asking for – eight and a half, nine, then you're like, oh, you know, then that that's I think where the issue is, right? Uh, is is um, so much that bumps up his overall value and whether or not, again, it's one thing if you think he can be a, a regular 30 goal guy or a guy at 25, 30 goals can drive play, warrants the six and a half million, maybe seven, if you look at just the bump from next year in terms of just the way like the, the market's moving. But if he's a 40 goal guy and you think that's just like a flash in the pan, then things are a little bit tougher, right? Because, um, again, the one thing you have to be aware of is that unlike this year where everyone was terrified of spending money because no one had cap space, Bruins are not going to be the only team that all of a sudden has a lot of cap uh, available next year. So that is something you have to be cognizant about, that uh, there will be certainly a lot more bidding wars, I think, next year. So have to weigh that as well. Yeah, I think in this, if, if it was that situation, um, that would feel kind of like a flash in the pan just because, you know, it'd be a big up in production but again it's a contract year and he's moving into his prime so that wouldn't be you know a crazy deviation from the norm um i totally get what you're saying and that it's a 40 goal score he's homegrown 
Like he's a Bruin, that whole thing. And I get that, but I look at the rest of the roster and in, in a situation like that, what else is netting you what you need? I, you know, cause this team needs, I've said it, the seed needs, this team needs firsts or high level prospects, or, you know, you need to infuse the talent pool uh, coming up down the line. Um, and, you know, in that situation, like, obviously, yeah, what is Linus Olmark doing? Is he having a good season? Can you trade him? Um, but I don't know what else on the roster you're dealing that has value that wouldn't hurt you. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I think in that situation, you probably would have to part um, with a guy like DeBrusque. Uh, you, and I'll also make the argument, you have a 50 goal scorer in Pasternak. And I'm not saying you want more. I'm not saying you don't, but you know, if, DeBrusque worked his value up with a 40 goal season or a 40 goal pace to, as you said, an eight or $9 million player. Would you rather take that money and give it to a center or something of that? Like, so I, I just, in that situation, I would have a tough time not selling high, just given that you would get a lot (laughs) for, for a guy like that. And, and who's at, you know, who be at 4 million, um, next season and can help a contender and fit under the cap and be a legit piece. I'm not saying I want them to trade him. I'm saying in that situation, um, I feel like you would get a first, you would get, you know, maybe a top prospect or something like that. You would get pieces mm-hmm. for him. And oh, yeah. I I don't, um, I don't hate that. Granted, I don't trust this front office to make that pick correctly. So maybe that's a that's the second part of it. But um, you need you need future pieces in that situation. If they are a wild card team next deadline, no, don't trade him. <laughs> don't do that. But if it's if you're on the outside looking in and you're firmly on the outside looking in, that's an easy piece. I think that you know, unfortunate to part with a fan favorite. No more Oreos. Um, but uh, that would be unfor- that would be unfortunate. That would be yes, that would be tough. of course. Speaking of fan favorites, by the way, uh, I was, I said, you know, I haven't heard from Derek Forbert in a while or uh, Darla Forbert in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you looked at his Instagram uh, recently? The, his latest post was, I think, like ten, uh, like eight or nine days ago. And it was just uh, two dogs, Darla being one of them, sleeping. And Darla lets off the meanest fart you ever heard. And the golden retriever, I think it was, just like stunningly like wakes up. Um, and so it was, uh, it was classic Darla Forbert. Uh, so I, I thought that was a, an interesting video. We, we need all the, after this velocity, we need all the dollar uh, content that uh, possible. So yeah, thank I'm you, kind, Derek, for supplying that. I'm kind of disappointed, though, in Derek Forbert, because it, it's I think that's the only video he's posted this offseason. There might be more, and I missed them, but... Uh, I think he should... had the one where it was like, how hungover is everyone when they do their clear photo? It's him at the <laughs> airport with like the, you know, the clear like face scanner thing. He used to like cut through the line at TSA, so... Yes. Which is... Uh, my, my clear photo that I have, I'm not hung over. However, I'm like, I think going on a flight to like Charleston. So I think I have on this like really sunny tropical shirt and I look, just look miserable though, but it's like very, it's a very uh, contrasting photo. So that's my contribution to clear, but there you go. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. I I don't, uh, I don't think I don't have clear. Uh, I, I stand in line just like every other, every other person. I'm, I'm, I'm an everyday Joe. I stand in line and, and, and wait my turn as, as bad as that is. Nobody travels well though. Nobody looks good while traveling. You know what I mean? No, like, it's just not... get me, get, just get me through three airport, through the flight. And then I can, then I can change. I'll wear sweats. I'll do all that. I'm not, 
I'm always if you, if you, if you dress up for the airport, you're a psychopath. So. Oh yes, I was when I was there earlier this month. I or you know earlier this summer, uh, there'd be people there like in on flights and suits and khakis, and I'm like, what is this like 1930? You know, you got to wear suits to everything. You got to you know you got to wear khakis. And it's I, like people went to baseball games with like a full like <laughs> like a straight up zoot suit on. I'm like, no, like. <laughs> Give me sweatpants. Peanut shells all over you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, give me sweatpants or athletic shorts and just like a t-shirt. I was like, did I underdress for this uh, Delta uh, coach flight? Like, I don't, uh, I, I don't know here. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always fascinated with people who dress up for flights and and uh, and feel that they need to to look their best uh, when they fly. I want to just, you know, I just want to relax and pretend I'm not there. Just get me from point A yes. to point B. That's all I, I we're going to turn into exactly. like a Jerry Seinfeld uh, stand up routine on. Yes. Uh, I'm eating the peanuts now. Um <laughs> anyways, uh the Brandon Hagel deal wasn't the only deal that came down on uh, Wednesday. The big one was Austin Matthews. Finally happened. 4 years. Was it 13 and a half million per or 13.25? I believe. Yeah. 13.25 million. Uh, four years is interesting, though. That's an interesting one. I think they, my guess is, is, and I don't know this for a fact, obviously, but my guess uh, is his representation kind of said, hey, let's do four years. See where we're at in four years. You make, you know, one of the higher, you know, a very high salary now. See where the market goes in four years if you want to go somewhere else. And or, you know, the market changes and suddenly you're making 16, 17 million per. So I actually think that's kind of a smart move on his end of things. Cause it's long-term enough um, mm-hmm. where I think this impacts the Bruins. First of all, you can pencil down Matthews, the Bruins one C in 2028. So that's, you know, there you go. Yeah. Check. There you go. You got to wait a little while. Can, unfortunately, you can stop doing those photoshops now for at least the, the next couple of years, but alas, true. Yes. It's unfortunate. Thankfully they're made though. So we can take them and still use them when we want. Um, the one area I think this actually impacts them is not so much Matthews, but sort of the whole take of free agency. Um, and we've said this a lot. You're not building your team in free agency. Uh, guys like Matthews and, you know, most times do not get to free agency. In this case, he definitely didn't uh, get to free agency. I was actually talking to one of my friends on Xbox like a couple days ago, and he was saying, oh, you know, Matthews and Lindholm being free agency. And I'm like, there's a good chance neither make it to free agency and Matthews immediately went off the market. Um, So that's my point is that I don't think, I think it's a signal to, it's going to be tough to find a number one center uh, in free agency. What would, you know, how do you think this impacts the Bruins? Yeah, I I think that's kind of point A in terms of, well, I think probably point A is that the Maple Leafs are still going to be pretty competitive uh, when you have a guy like Matthews there. Uh, Again, defense, goaltending, got some issues, but uh, I, that team still with him. They still have surprisingly a shit ton of cap space next year. That if they want to just re-sign everyone, uh, they they can like along with Nylander, while also probably adding a, a player too. So they're still going to be in the mix. As much as I think you look at other teams like the Lightning taking a step back, I think Toronto's still going to be there. Um, but yeah, I, I think the reality of free agents free agencies is going to kind of sticks out to me, right? Because uh, we talked about this, I think, on Bruins Meet. Like, how many times do you have a legit franchise-altering guy go to market? Like, it's Tavares. You could say maybe Goudreau was last year. But, like, I always look at the top examples, like Stamkos, right, where it's like, all right, he's going to hit free agency. The Bruins be involved there. All right, and then he hits free agency, and then he immediately signs the Lightning, right? Like, and again, that's – it's rare even to have a player of that caliber 
get to free agency. Of course, he then resigns immediately. But still, like, what, you never was see that, that What year was that? Was that like 15-ish? I forget. It, I think um, it was 16. I think, was he like the only, like, the only good signing during that entire run? Yes. 15 or 16. That was, yes, you're right. And and the other thing is, like, I feel like in this market, in this day and age, he would be re-signed like a year before. Oh, um, yeah. So I like, I think it's even changed since then. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that is going to be the challenge in terms of if you want a guy like Lynn, Elias Lindholm or anyone else, you have to be creative. Either you have to try to trade for him first. Uh, you know, a lot has to, I think, go wrong between, like, I don't think players ideally want to hit just, like, the open market. Some guys just want to get the bag, I guess. But, like, Lindholm probably wants to get some clarity on his future. Like, I think that's kind of his focus. That's why you see a lot of times these guys get traded and they usually end up signing a contract shortly thereafter. Um, so I think uh, it's, it is very rare to have a guy like a Linton fall in the market. So whether it's trading for him, I think we always mention like if the Bruins have cap flexibility, maybe you're a, guy, a team that can take on a contract like Thomas Hurdles in a year or two. You look at like Clayton Keller, who I do not think is going to finish out that contract in Arizona, given the, the state of that franchise, like those are things that you have to do in terms of being involved, kicking the tires, being able to accommodate a, a larger contract in that regard. Um, again, Linton could hit for agency, uh, which again, then you have to outbid a whole bunch of other teams. But yeah, it's not like a, it's not like I think like in like baseball where it's like so many guys hit free agency and you know the Yankees or the Dodgers are going to throw the bag at one of those teams, uh, one of those players, and it feels inevitable. Um, Hockey, it's a lot tougher to like build franchise altering guys through uh, just throwing the bag at them. It doesn't happen nearly as uh, as often as some of these other sports. So uh, it's going to be a lot tougher for the Bruins in terms of just getting a guy to market and then the next hurdle signing them against the 10 other teams throwing the bag at them as well. By the way, speaking of uh, MLB free agency, Rip Shohei. Uh, oh my God, the torn UCL that probably cost Dude, him should, like $200 million, <laughs> at least like 300, I think like 200, 300 million dollars. Yeah, also straight up, like let's relegate the Angels for one, wasting this man's prime, yes, and then just blow, like blowing up his, his elbow, I think twice, right? He had Tommy John in 2018, 18. so oh. relegate the Angels. Yeah. Oh no, the Angels are a useless, worthless franchise to me. Um, I, I, I've never understood them. Uh, they've been. For most of my life, they've been like a team that should have been good that that wasn't. Even when they remember when they got yeah. like Pujols and like CJ Wilson and that you know they had Young Trout, uh, just garbage, garbage team. Um, back to NHL free agency though. The other thing, uh, not only do players not want at the open market, but teams do not want to lose these guys. I mean, think of Johnny Gaudreau leaving the Flames, walking away, mm-hmm. getting nothing for him. Probably has set that franchise back many years. Um, oh, yeah. in terms of what you could have gotten for him. I mean, at least they got something for Kachuk. And I still think they blew, they completely, I mean, I think they won, they won the trade in terms of pieces. Kachuk obviously had a bigger impact on the Panthers and Huberto and Uyghur did in Calgary. But if the Flames took those two pieces and said, hey, you know what, we're going to just do a full-scale rebuild and get a lot in return for both Uyghur and Huberto, um, they would be much more ahead and you would kind of make up for the loss of, of a Johnny Gaudreau a little bit more, at least long-term, but just losing Gaudreau. Think of also the, I mean, Grant, I think the Islanders went to the playoffs uh, a year or two after losing uh, Tavares, but still, I mean, you have to be creative and losing guys in free agency, like a Matthews um, or, you know, even a hurdle and not getting anything for them is a mistake. 
And I think that's why you see a lot of the guys, you know, Hampus Lindholm uh, getting dealt before, you know, just being able to walk in the open market or Pierre-Luc Dubois, even um, same thing. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I have little faith that the Bruins are going to be able to execute sort of a, get a one seat, a, a defining franchise player who's a number one center in free agency. Um, if you can get Lindholm, great. But I just think that if the Flames don't really kind of uh, nail him down this year and have to trade him, I think you're getting outbid. You're getting outbid most likely. You don't have the pieces to get him. And if, by the way, if Sweeney pulls it off, all the credit in the world. I'm like, I'm not, you know, good for them. But just at face value, I don't know how that uh, that happens unless Lindholm says, I only want to play for the Boston Bruins. And you sort of get lucky like you did uh, with Taylor Hall and the, and the Sabres uh, fiasco. So that's my biggest takeaway with Matthews. Um, and as you said, yeah, Leafs are still going to be real good. Um, I think preseason, I mean, I haven't made my like official prediction yet. Feels like they're probably going to be the number one team in the Atlantic unless I'm missing something. See how their goaltending is, but otherwise, yeah, that's well, that's my thing. That's why I'm hesitant. It's like they're gonna put up a ton of goals, but what does their goals against look like? I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. So, uh, anyways, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we're gonna have you covered throughout these final weeks, thank god, of the off season. So, <laughs> we'll have you covered on stuff like lineup changes, younger players fighting for minutes, all that stuff over at boston.com. So, please read our stuff over there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. We're presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 